There are few things on earth that generate more conversation than wine. For many, the thirst for wine knowledge becomes an obsession, and it's hard to imagine that anyone has fully ingested all there is to know about the world's most revered beverage. We all know people who are passionate about sharing that knowledge and their opinions about wine. But we find an awful lot of the conversations about wine pretty hard to swallow. Welcome to Grape Encounters. Your host, David Wilson, his guests, and the rest of us on the team are here to show you a great time. How to have more fun with your wine. Where to enjoy wine the most. How to immerse yourself into a wine lifestyle that isn't simply about wine. So let's dive into this week's edition of Grape Encounters. Oh, you'll learn plenty, but hopefully it will be knowledge that you can really use. Not like that Latin class you took in high school. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. And what a fine and wonderful day it is here in the Grape Encounters studio. And what makes it especially wonderful today is this is one of those once-a-month things where... We have our announcer, Brentanamo, out of the glassed-in booth and sitting here just a few feet away from me, and we get to talk about all things wine, particularly things that are in the news that I just love to share with y'all. And Y'all, you picked up a southern accent somehow. Y'all, yeah, I did. Uh, that happened over the holidays. Ah. <laughs> so, how you doing? Well, it's great to be out of my glass enclosure, and I sure enjoy being here with you. Well, I enjoy having you, and I want to just explain to listeners our relationship because you are not just the announcer guy. By the way, I have a lot of people that ask me about you all the time. They go, really? What is he like? Is he really as good looking? No kidding. No kidding. Wow. And the answer is yes. Wow. He's a good looking fella. Well, now I'm blushing. You got me. No, you're not blushing. You're sitting there. You're you're flexing your biceps right now. (laughs) What you're doing. But you got a real name. It's not just Brent Tonimo. It's Brent Keist. Keist, yes. Keist the Beast. Because you often fall on your keister. Ah, yes. But let's talk just for a second about your background. You've been in the radio business, the acting world, the writing world. You're kind of a Hollywood kind of a guy, but you're not from Hollywood. You live on a ranch. Well, I I was from Hollywood. I I think I lived in Hollywood for 40 years. Now you've just dated yourself. I dated myself. Well, I moved there at a very young age. What can I tell you? Do you know how often I date myself? Often, I'll bet. Constantly, because nobody else will date me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, no, I mean, you do have a really, really cool background, and you work with all kinds of interesting groups of actors and writers and all that, but you're also a winemaker. A winemaker and and an award-winning winemaker. Well, are you bragging? No, no. Well, I sort of am. You You, are. You caught me. You caught me. Now you're blushing. I know. Now I'm blushing. The other thing that I think is important, and it's going to be a big part of our discussion going forward, is the fact that you work in a winery tasting room, one of the really outstanding wineries in our neck of the woods. So you're like the Ernest Hemingway of what I do. Wow, what a kind well, thing. Well, you know, you got it, you got all bases covered. Yeah. You, know? you, you do it all, except windows. Well, I always subscribe to the idea of never say never. Because if you say never, you're not going to get new opportunities. Well, you just said never three times. <laughs> 
never say so never. For some, never. Some guy that's not saying never. You said it three times there. All right. As you know, I don't know, once a month. I love having you in here because I get up every morning. I don't even get up. I'm still in bed and I pull my phone out and I just start scrubbing all of the trade publications and anything I can find about wine that's going on. Or maybe I got to sniff out some stories. But before I even put coffee in my belly, I am filling my head with thoughts of wine. You know, wine is a passion, and I certainly can't fault you. Yeah, I'm glad that you just said this, though, because that is one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about. I had more time during the holidays to spend time on Facebook and Instagram and those places where we all congregate. And I have to say that I came away from hours and hours of just kind of seeing what everybody's doing. It's just kind of this sick feeling in my stomach. Sick feeling? Yeah, sick feeling in my stomach. And what it boils down to, Brent, is the, the fact that I we just take wine so seriously. Oh, yeah. And I can't think of anything else that we're passionate about that we go so far overboard so here's an example, okay? I don't know how many friends I have in total that are in the wine business, but oftentimes when somebody friends me on Facebook or LinkedIn, we may have three, four, and even 500 friends in common because wine is a small world, right? It is. It is. And, and passionate people usually hang together. Yes. But the one thing that I just get more and more annoyed about as time goes on is the kinds of pictures we post on social media, which wasn't really around to any great extent 15 years ago, and the kinds of stuff that we talk about. And it's really obnoxious when you spend a bit of time looking at everything that people are posting. If you're a wine enthusiast, it seems like if you don't post a picture of yourself sniffing a glass of wine, looking at the color of the wine, or just looking so intense about that glass, it's kind of annoying to Well, me. are they sort of bragging, would you say? I don't know what they're doing. But it, it's like if you are into wine, there seems to be some unwritten rule that you got to post a picture of yourself with a glass. And I'm going to tell you a funny story. Okay, um, I'm ready. Some years ago, before I got this wine broadcaster gig. I ran a, a marketing agency and, and did some, some very interesting things. One of my customers was the inimitable June Lockhart. Oh, really? Yes. Lassie's mother. Lassie's mother. And she did some really interesting work in the area of caregiving dogs. You know, yes. Not surprisingly, because, you know, Lassie was her son after all. <laughs> But I had an occasion where I went to dinner with June and there were a group of friends and other people that were there as well. And at some point during the evening, I wanted to get a picture with June. And I'd known her for a number of years, you know, not a socially, but, you know, we did stuff together. And we were standing there and I had this glass of wine in my hand. And just before the photographer snapped the picture, June says, wait, no, no, no. And she took the glass out of my hand and she set it out of view of the camera. She says, we do not take pictures of ourselves consuming wine or alcohol. 
Hmm. Interesting, huh? Yeah. That stuck with me for a long, long time. I'm not going to say that I'm not guilty of taking pictures with a wine glass in my hand, but for the most part, I kind of try to put it down because it's – to me, it, it just sort of says drinker, you know? I don't want to be a wine drinker. I want to be a wine enthusiast. Enthusiast. Somebody that really enjoys the art it of enjoys making it. wine the craft. Yeah. You know, and not just drink, 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 drink all the time. So that's part A to this. Okay. Part B is why do you think it is so important to those of us who love wine to search for descriptors of the wine and write about it incessantly? Do you think that wine enthusiasts are higher educated than – I don't know. You're hoi polloi? Well, we know that to be true, actually. We, that is we do, true. We do know that to be true, yes. But what's troubling to me is the sense that if you are somebody who loves wine, you are therefore obligated to have to take your best shot at describing it. And I wonder why it is that when we sit down and we have a lobster dinner or a filet mignon with, you know, a Bernays sauce or something like that, that we don't sit there picking apart what we're tasting. We might say, oh, this meat's really tender. We might say, oh, this sauce is really, really delicious. And in the same way, the people that I enjoy talking wine to are the ones who say, wow, you know, I really like the fruit on this one. I get a whole mouthful of just luscious, delicious, beautiful fruit. And they don't go to the extremes that so many people go to, to dial it down to the most infinitesimal details that in the long run are going to be lost on most people anyway. Am I a jerk? No, no, I don't think so. I think some people are very good at putting labels and and words to what they're tasting, and some people aren't. doesn't mean that they're not appreciative of the wine as much. It's just that some people are very good at saying, oh, I got that flavor, that's an apple flavor, or whatever. Well, don't you think, though, to some degree with many, many people, it's just forced? You know, like you you feel an obligation to do it. It's not, in the end, essential to your wine-enjoying experience. Anyway, we've got to hold that thought for a second, okay? okay? All righty. We're talking to our announcer man. He's not just the wine answer man. He's Brent Keist. And, by the way, one of the nicest human beings I've ever known in my oh, life. What a, that's, really, a, that's a kind thing to say. Really, really super appreciate you, man. Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine and More. If you really want accurate descriptions of wine and what you're tasting, go see these awesome people at your Total Wine store because they're not going to buffalo you. They're going to give you information that you really can use because they're with these wines Every day, all day, and they just understand them, and it's just a beautiful thing. If you don't know where there's a local Total Wine & More store, go to TotalWine.com. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters after this. Welcome back to Grape Encounters Radio, broadcasting from our Central Coast Wine Country studio in idyllic Atascadero, California. Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine & More, America's largest independent retailer of fine wine. They carry more than 8,000 different wines from every wine-producing region in the world and offer an equally monumental selection of beer and spirits. 
Here's David. You know, there are some days that I just wish I could lose my cell phone for life because I sit and I get on some sort of a tangent and one tangent goes to another tangent and especially when I'm researching ideas for the show I can get so lost in it and I can spend like 50 hours looking for 40 minutes worth of stuff no it's like a dog on a leash you're there you're enjoying the flowers the smells all the wonderful thing in nature and then all of a sudden you get yanked on your collar oh I see so I'm the dog you're the dog and your cell phone is the collar and leash I see and then you get yanked suddenly yanked my dog does not like it when i do that by the way I, you know what he, i don't know i don't think any dog likes it was really it. funny too because i'm really conscious about not ever choking him or anything like that but he's learned that if i even begin to yank he'll start pretending like he's choking so oh, that I, interesting yeah, oh no he's got me nailed wow that's uh, henry yeah the wine dog Henry Aldrich. He's awesome. Anyway, that voice that you're hearing is our announcer, Brent Keist, also known as Brentonimo. Wonderful voiceover guy, announcer, actor, writer, and winemaker, and also works in an awesome, awesome tasting room. Can we name the tasting room? Is that okay? I think we could. The tasting room is called Le Cuvier. Le Cuvier. And it's a little boutique. And your boss is an icon. He is an icon. He is very well known around these parts. Well, in other parts too. Yeah, his name's John Munch. He has got quite a wonderful reputation. He came to this area when there were I think four wineries and started a champagnery at the time. A champagnery. Yeah. And there were at that time only 482 grapes. <laughs> four, yes. Uh, available. You in the counted entire, them, in the, right? In the, well, that was before my time. <laughs> anyway, but we certainly get some interesting insights when you spend a day, a week, a month, a year sitting behind a wine bar talking to the people that come in and you're going to have people that have a great deal of knowledge, sometimes a lot more than you even have have yes. and then people who know absolutely nothing who are my favorite people because they're like little lumps of clay waiting to be molded or they come in with their tail between their legs because they've been intimidated by somebody uh, and I, it's a horrible thing and that by the way describes the lion's share of casual wine consumers they're yeah. so intimidated by their experiences that's why you know as I said in the last segment that I, I get annoyed with the let's call them wine jocks that the, the only thing they want to do is is to sh- it's like somebody who took a year or two of Spanish in high school and wants to show off their Spanish. Yeah, and there's and an I'm awful not, lot of that showing I'm not, off. I'm not yeah. saying that to be mean either, but it's like can't we just bring the conversation down to earth? I mean, that's why I started this show. Yeah, I, I I know that. You know, wine is like a food. and Well, it is a food. Yeah, you drink it with food. It helps your digestion. It's good for your heart. At least that's what people tell us. But on the other hand, we get the, the braggarts out there who start showing off. And then you sort of feel, well, you know, gee, I don't know anything about they, wine. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't drink wine. They, they take the fun out of it. Yeah. I think that they do. Well, and I think also when you go to a restaurant and they've marked up the wine so much. You're thinking, oh, gee, that's, you know, if I select the wrong bottle, I'm going to lose a lot of money. But you know what I think you're going to find is that, and you know this from working for somebody like John Munch, that the people who make the wine and who have invested their hard-earned dollars in creating a a wonderful winery, they're the least pretentious of them all. Absolutely. Nice people. They don't want to overpower you or intimidate you with the language. All right. I'm going to get on to some other stories. And by the way, we're going to have a special 
special episode of our other podcast, The Wine is Talking, and it's going to be completely about your experiences, Brent, and my experiences with people of all levels of education, information where wine is concerned, and maybe some do's and don'ts and some interesting stuff. So we'll tell you more about that in a second. But, but I love them all. I it's got, true. I, exactly. Anyway, I've got some interesting stuff I want to share with you. Here's one. You know, there is something called TCA. It's a trichloroanisole. And it is essentially a bad germ that makes wine taste like wet cardboard or wet dog. So talk about being able to detect things in a wine. That's something that you want to be able to detect. Yeah, well, I I think you probably could, right? Not so easily, I think, as you might think. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm very tuned into it now just because I've experienced it a, a lot of times. But, you know, at first I, I think I went years without really knowing what it was, what I was tasting. I just thought it was the wine itself. But it's very, very unpleasant. And it's, it's called cork taint. And it's, like I said, it's a, it's a nasty little bug. It's not going to hurt you, but boy, does it taste terrible in its extreme. Now, does that come off the cork itself? It's when, um, when the cork is a, uh, you know, less than perfect cork or it doesn't seal properly. A lot of different things can happen and it's just going to ruin your wine. And that's when somebody says, Oh, it's a corked wine. Well, like I said, it kind of smells like wet dog. So guess how they're now finding tainted bottles of wine with TCA. My guess is that they have dogs that are trained. Ah, exactly. Yes. How cool is that? They're cork taint dogs. Not sure I would want that title if I was a dog, but... Well, you know. Anyway, these dogs, I mean, you know how... They're happy to be working. Oh, yeah. And they work cheap, too. (laughs) Yeah, a little... A little what, a cow can or whatever, and they're happy. But anyway, no, they got these dogs now that go around and they can just smell it instantly in the bottles, and then we don't have to worry about it. I've heard that same thing. I heard that uh, you have a big sheet of cork, and you're about ready to punch the corks out, the individual corks, and the dogs go at it and indicate whether there's something wrong with that cork. I don't know whether it's limited to that, but you know, I have the impression that the, the dogs are actually sniffing the bottles too. But anyway, they really do a great job and there's this one project that employs Labradors and uh, one's name is uh, Ambrosia Odyssey Morrow huh? Mm. Mamba and Zamba (laughs) (laughs) good job if you can get it Anyway, a lab working in a lab, a lab working in a lab. You absolutely got it. So I thought that was a super, super cool thing. Okay. Also in the super cool category, and we're going to have to take a a little breather here for a second, but I want to tell you about the ultimate place to sleep that is wine oriented. Hmm. You want to think about that? That sounds like a riddle to me. Yeah. We're talking to Brent Keast. He is our announcer. We generally call him Brentonimo, but uh, we just kind of rip to the public today and so glad to have you here and got a, a number of other things to talk about so you'll stay with me and when we come back i want you to tell me your best guess on the most interesting wine oriented place to stay and this last year in 2019 it really became all the rage hmm. are you up for the challenge i am ready all right that when we return with grape encounters radio brought to you by Total Wine and More. That's where I'd like to sleep. In a Total Wine and More store. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. I'll, I'll get the 
lights. Just a little soft place for you to curl up. Got any right? corkscrews in yeah. here? Yeah. Maybe you could, you know, keep warm with a cork-sniffing dog. A cork-sniffing dog. Mm-hmm. I have my little dog, and he would be very jealous if he wasn't the one I cuddle with. Although he's not the biggest cuddler in the world. Okay, anyway, we're going to be back with more right after this. And for more information on all things wine, go to TotalWine.com. Oh, my gosh. Total Wine is not a wine store. Total Wine is a wine galaxy. That's what it is. If you haven't explored Total Wine, you are just at the tip of the iceberg, my friends. The tip of the iceberg. We'll be back right after this. We're back with Grape Encounters Radio, and in the studio with me today is Brent Tonimo. I'm Brent, honored. Brent Keast, you know. I, I can't think of a better person to sit down and talk all things wine because you're in it in so many different kinds of ways. Uh, but next topic, this was a wonderful epiphany that I had, or is at least something that I learned. I am a big fan of learning where famous phrases originated, or words originated. And I'm sure you got to love that too, mm-hmm. right? Being married to an English teacher. Right. And a great chef, by the way. Yes. So here's one for you. I'm going to see if you know this one, because I just learned this one. And so this is going to be something that y'all are going to use at parties to just show off your intelligence, your expertise, okay? But not too much. No, just show off as much as you want. There you go. Okay. All right. Like, for instance, I'll give you an example, okay? The term happy as a clam. Do you know where that came from? Hmm. I mean, have you, absolutely no Because I've idea. never seen a clam laugh, right? No. Right? No. Usually they just sort of clam up, right? Whether well, Yes, they just sit there in the okay, so water. The, so the story behind that is the phrase wasn't happy as a clam. It was happy as a clam at high tide. Ah, okay. And why are clams happy at high tide? Because the water is flowing all the nutrients over their gills or whatever they call those things. No. Because they are submerged and therefore clam diggers can't come and take them out of their comfy little sand oh, bed. Oh, okay. So they're safe. Okay. So a clam at high tide is safe. That's why he's happy as a clam. Yes. Okay. And, and clams, by the way, pair wonderfully with a lot of different ones. Yes, they do. But here's a phrase that I never even thought of before. Are you ready? Ready. Hole in the wall. Okay. You're just staring at me. Yeah. I stare. That is a wine reference. Oh, really? Yes, sir. I thought it was for a business or a house or something that is just a tiny little thing where a, a mouse wants to live. Nope. Hole in the wall is a term that goes back hundreds of years to Italy. You want to take a stab at this at all? Well, I, I, tried, all, I tried with a mouse. Well, you did and you failed. Yeah. Anyway, in Florence... And in Tuscany and in other parts of Italy where they drank an incredible amount of wine. And by the way, Italy, number one wine producer in the world. That's what I've heard yes. too. Yeah. So, so wine is a big deal there. Well, it turns out that all over Florence, if you look hard enough, you will find something called Bichette del Vino. Okay. And what it actually is, it's a, a small opening in the wall. Uh, it could be walls of chateaus. It could be walls of restaurants. But it's a it's generally around a foot foot and a half 
tall. That's it. And it's, you know, beautifully trimmed out. Most of these Buscetta vinos have been closed up, you know, in the past couple hundred years. They don't, for the most part, exist. But they're making a big comeback. What they're there for is you can go buy one of these little holes in the wall, bring your empty wine bottle, and the tavern keeper, or in many cases, just the person who owns the home, will fill up the bottle for a modest price and give it back to you. Ah. And that's how you get your wine. Wow. I wish it was that easy. Well, apparently it is again. They're bringing this back in Italy. Is that just the coolest thing? I think they should have that here. Well, I think so too, but we're not trusted. I understand. They trust the Italians. The Italians are trusted to make smart decisions and not abuse the wine. Here, they just think that we're going to screw it all up. That was a a good try, David, but I don't think that's the the story. (laughs) Well, well, what is the story then? Well, I I think that, you know, you have more of a village atmosphere in those uh, Italian towns. You mean those Italian villages? Yes, exactly. I didn't want to use the same word twice. But that's why they have a village atmosphere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And I think in the old days, you had a jug of wine and you'd go to the nearest winery and they'd fill it up for you. Yeah, juggle up wine, a loaf of bread and thou. Yeah, and you've you've got it made. I remember I was 21 years old and I spent my 21st birthday in Europe and I was on a train in Germany, which is not Italy, but it was amazing just to sit there. There was this elderly couple that was on the train, of course, in those days, 30 was elderly, but you know, they're sitting there and they pull out a couple of glasses of wine and they, a loaf of bread and some cheeses and some meats. And we just don't think to do that here. Oh, I know. That's what a wonderful thing to do too. We can't relax here. Yeah. Can you relax? Um, not really. I'm always thinking of something that I've got to do. I, I swear that every every time I call you and I want to do something with you, you're like, <gasps> you you just go through this long list of all the stuff that's on your long list. <laughs> the reason I make a long list is so that I can send it to you and then you can worry about it. Anyway, so going back to the, yeah. the walls in Florence and Tuscany, pretty cool, right? That is. And they're bringing these things back. And I think it's really cool. Now, before we went to break, I asked you a question. I, I kind of skated past that one. Right. Uh, I brought the question. I've been the question. ready for it. Okay. The question, okay. the question was, what is maybe the coolest place that you can stay that is wine related? Well, and, I know that this is a, a big trend nowadays, and maybe this is a little too general, but people are doing bed and breakfasts on a vineyard. And that seems to be really popular these days. Yeah, but that's a bit pedestrian, I think, compared to what I'm going to share with you. Okay. okay? This has become the big rage. And again, last year, it really, really accelerated in popularity. And what it is, is they're taking the really giant wine barrels. And there's a lot of them out there. They're huge. Yeah, the big ovals. Are they oval? I know they're round. I think they're round. Oh, okay. But anyway, they take these these barrels. They're gigantic, ginormous, right? And they turn them into sleeping quarters. You're t- huh. <laughs> Look at the blank stare. Yeah, I've got it. That doesn't I've... appeal to you? Well, I suppose. Have I got you over a barrel? Yeah. <laughs> Do they uh, actually have sheets and blankets and stuff like that? Well, yeah, they've got. They even have bathrooms in them. Really? Yeah. They're, they're barrels that big? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. They're huge. I can't show you a picture right now, but they're gigantic and they're 
all over the world, they're starting to pop up and it's become all the rage. Hmm. You know, there's this whole tiny home thing that is really. Yes, right. I've are, seen you those. Into, are you into that? Because I'm like totally into that. I think it's a really fine idea. It's not something that I could deal with. You got a big home. Yeah. Big. Home. I need a little room. You have your own wing. Yeah. You and your wife each have their own wing. Actually, it's sort of a miniature country in a way. Is it really? Yes. Is she, is she the, um, the leader or are you? Oh, she's the leader. Definitely. Definitely. I, She's the leader, but she cooks. Which is great, but yeah. I clean, you see. Yeah, you got the bad end of that deal. Nah, I don't know. I right. don't know. How do you think? What do you think of the wine that I poured you there? Oh, that's great. Sauvignon Blanc yeah. from a Roussac Winery. And it's, um, uh, Roussac is, uh, is Allison and Jeff Roussac, but Allison is Allison Wrigley Roussac. Wrigley like the gum? Wrigley like the gum. And the baseball? The owners of, yeah, the Cubs. Wow. Uh, Catalina Island. I think they own, I think they own Mars, uh, candy for a long time. I don't think they own it anymore. And they make some pretty darn good wines. And, and that's in San Inez. San Inez, California, yeah. So this is pretty fun wine. And they're just the nice, you know, they they got a lot of money, but they're just the nicest people. So nice. So down to earth. Love Allison. She's really just awesome. I haven't seen her in a long, long time, but really, truly beautiful people. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. So, so, the, so, going, I mean, back, what back would you to, say dimension wise? How big are these barrels? Um, I'm going to say that th- they vary, but I'm going to say they're probably like 12 feet. They, they put them on their side. Mm-hmm. Okay. 12 feet and maybe 10 or 12 wide, maybe, maybe a little longer than that. And they supposedly have bathrooms in them. Hmm. And they have them just scattered about usually on a vineyard property. Doesn't that sound fun? Yeah, actually. I'm going to tell you another now, thing. Now, do they have windows and stuff? Uh, yes, in the front. Okay. Yes, in the front. Now, an- another thing that I haven't talked about this in a long time, but there's a spa in Japan. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the Japanese love their wine, but they love their spas too. And they have created this spa where they've got a gigantic swimming pool filled with wine. Wow. By the way, a lot of actors and sports figures actually use wine baths as a form of therapy. It's a, a popular notion. But anyway, I, I've seen pictures of this place in Japan, and, and they've got this like gigantic wine bottle that's probably 12, 14, 16 feet long, and it's just spilling wine into the pool. And meanwhile, you have all these uh, purple-colored people in there. I'll bet. Yeah. What was that song? One-eyed, one-horned, flying purple Purple people eaters. eaters. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, you dated yourself right there. Nobody else will. That's right. Hey, what a great name for a wine. Yeah. Purple Purple people people eater. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We're going to have to end it there for now. I've got uh, more fun stuff to talk about, but I do want to remind people that we are going to be talking about the do's and don'ts in the old tasting room. And uh, nobody knows this better than Brent. That's going to be on our podcast, The Wine is Talking. You go to thewineistalking.com and you'll find it there. And our, probably a picture of our beautiful smile and faces. And we'll talk to you then. But we got some more fun stuff for this episode of Grape Encounter. So don't leave now and enjoy the rest of the show and enjoy this wonderful station that we are so privileged to be able to have our show air on. Thank you very much for that. We'll be back with more Grape Encounter right after this. All right, we're 
back with Grape Encounters Radio, and now I am so totally, completely, and utterly delighted <laughs> to have somebody in the studio who I'm thinking, I gotta do my math here now, but I'm thinking she ain't been in here for three years at least. At least, because three my years. my son just turned three. Did so. anybody say you could talk? I'm sorry. <laughs> no. That voice is Zena the Cheese Lady. She is a legend in our part of the world, because nobody cuts the cheese like Zena. And her knowledge of cheese runs so deep, I can't even begin to imagine how much time she's invested in doing this. But anyway, I'm glad to have you here. Yeah, definitely. It's great to see you again, too. By the way, you do have a last name, but I butcher it. Every time, every, every time, so and you actually do go by Zena the Cheese Lady, right? Uh, yeah, actually, most people just call me Cheese Lady. They don't even bother with the Zena part. I like the Zena though. It sounds like superheroish. It's like Zena the Warrior Princess. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's Miakinkova, but I actually hyphenated it, so it's Miakinkova Engel. So my name is Zena Ida Vladimirovna Miakinkova Engel, oh, which so might have eaten up half the show if you need yeah. to edit that out. Very good point. Anyway, you have been a longtime cheese expert. Expert appearing on a lot of radio broadcasts. And then you've been involved with one of my favorite wineries for years now, La Vignette. Yeah, absolutely. Which I, I love their wines. And if you go to Paso Rebels, it's a great place to go to. But I asked you to come here today because I'm on one of my anti-pretentiousness kicks. And it seems to happen to me like at the beginning of the year. In this particular case, and I explained to listeners a little while ago that I had a little extra time on my hands. And so over the holidays, I'm like on Facebook. Instagram and Twitter, and I'm looking at all the things posted by those of us who are in some way or another in the wine industry, or we're just wine lovers, and it just gets a little creepy sometimes. You know, everybody's got, you're looking at me. (laughs) Creepy. Well, you know, everybody's got to pose with a glass of wine in their hand. Yeah. And and the one that I hate is where they've got their nose majestically in the glass of wine, their eyes are closed. They look like they're in prayer almost. (laughs) You know, we take it really Really super serious. Yeah. And, and in the world of pairing, I'm always pleased when I see somebody do a pairing, you know, with fast food and wine, you know, fried chicken and wine. You I know? like fried chicken with champagne, actually. Yeah, there That's you go. I mean, I mean, we always think it's always got to be fancy. And look, cheese is a fancy thing. You know, let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. For the bulk of the human population, we know like about maybe 10 cheeses. That's fair. Is that fair? Yeah. So that's about right. We know cheddar, Munster, Swiss. Parmesan. Yeah. And, you know, we wouldn't even dream of thinking that there are more triple cream cheeses out there than brie. But there's so many cheeses that you've introduced me to that I didn't even know existed. And it's wonderful. But I want to zero in on the everyday consumer. Okay. Who wants to just have a romantic evening at home with their partner. Maybe they go to the bakery. They get a, a great loaf of bread. They go buy some cheeses and they've got a good bottle of wine sitting around the house. Or, you know, maybe they don't. But I think we overcomplicate. Do you agree? I do. I think that kind of wine and food in general, there's a lot of unneeded pretentiousness. That can be said for just about really any industry. Like the more of an expert you get, the more that somebody might kind of make other people feel inferior for not knowing as much as they do. But for me, it's really all about what you like. It's really personal preference. There's no right answer to like liking something. So White Zin, there's a classic example for you. Okay. 
wine snobs will absolutely look down their nose at you for drinking white Zin. But if it wasn't for white Zin, we would have no old, old vines in Pindell in California. And I mentioned this maybe about a month ago. There's a, a really dear friend of mine. In fact, he's been on some of the same radio shows you've been on, uh, Wes Hagen. Do you yeah. know Wes? Mm-hmm. And Wes will tell you that one of his favorite pairing experiences is to go to this really awesome sushi bar. He loves their sushi and he eats the sushi and pairs it with Behringer White Zin. And he says, there's nothing better. Still one of the top grossing wines of all time. Right. There. And, you know, but we'd be afraid to do that. We'd be afraid that we're going to put off some of our friends. I mean, nothing wrong with Behringer at all, but, you know, we get... It has a stigma. Only because it's not expensive. And that should not be the justification for buying or not buying a wine. Yeah, deliciousness should be the only justification. I mean, if you find an amazing bottle of wine and it's only $5, then you found like an even more amazing bottle of wine in my opinion. So where does the conversation start when it comes to pairing cheese and wine? You're sitting in a room with 20 people who know nothing about cheese and wine pairing. How do you put them at ease? initially? I guess I just tell them that, you know, I might be considered to be an expert, but there's no wrong answer. Uh, One of my good friends, Sherry, her favorite pairing is triple cream brie with a really big cab. And to me, that's like a horrible pairing. So why is it horrible? For me, the rind on brie, the penicillium cadinium that is the living brie rind has a flavor interaction with the tannins in a big cab that I personally don't like. Okay. But that's my palate. I prefer brie with Chardonnay or champagne or sparkling wine. There's no wrong answer. I mean, Sherry will sit there and eat an entire wedge of St. Andre with her bottle of cab. And Mm. she likes it. You know, Valentine's Day is coming up. And maybe one of the partners, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, they want to start with a cheese and wine pairing. But I think most people from that very moment are just baffled. We only got a couple of minutes and then I'm going to direct people to a podcast that they'll get a lot more information on. But what's your advice to somebody that wants to do something for their significant other for Valentine's Day, but knows absolutely nothing about cheese and wine pairing? So the first thing is ask an expert, go to your local cheese shop. They might be able to help guide you a little bit better. Or if you go to certain wineries like Living, you mentioned, they do wine and cheese pairing every day so they can kind of help guide a little bit more. And there's more and more wineries starting to do that kind of thing. But honestly, the way to go is to start buying random wedges of cheese when you're at the store and try it. And if you like it, remember the name of it. It all really boils down to what's right for me. Yeah. And it's not white with cheese and red with something else, right? Red is just as appropriate for cheese as white. Absolutely. But, But still... A lot of people will not do it that way. You know, a lot of people, I think they just get so overwhelmed by it. Cheese is a lot like wine. With wine, you have red and you have white. You have, and then within those categories, you have hundreds of varietals. And then even when you get to the varietal, it also depends on where it was grown, the year it was grown, etc. The same thing can be said for cheese. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to end it right here. But in the interest of getting people really into our podcast, which goes a lot deeper than what we do on Grape Encounters. The wine is talking, but that's going to do it for Grape Encounters today. And if you want the rest of the conversation with Zena, the cheese, I think it should be the cheese goddess, frankly. 
I'll take it. You're going to have to go to the Wine is Talking instead, and we'll have more of Zena right there. And many thanks to our sponsor, Total Wine and More. You will never find a greater selection of wine in one place. It's just totally and utterly amazing. If you want to become more familiar with them, go to TotalWine.com. We'll be back here at the same time next week. Look forward to talking to you then. Thank you.